0: Okay, so I wanted to do a quick, quick review and an overview of the letter of 1 Corinthians, if we can, just so we can kind of keep things in context and see where, where we are at as we progress through the letter. Um, the the letter is really broken up into two different sections. The first section, chapters 1 through 6, deals with problems that have been reported to Paul. And so he is addressing these, these issues that he has found out about that, it, that have been reported to him. And then the second, uh, second section really deals around the questions uh, that from the Corinthians to Paul. So there has been some other correspondence. He has received these questions uh, and he is answering those questions. Uh, chapter 1. We, we looked at the idea of, uh, Paul addressing the division and, uh, the division that was there in, in Corinth and the wisdom of men. He, he addressed this idea of the wisdom of men. He then expounded on that in chapter two. Um, where he, he said, your, your faith shouldn't belong in men. Your faith does not belong in men, but it's in the gospel of Christ. And he, he compared the wisdom of men versus the wisdom of God and, and, and dove into that. Uh, chapter 3, he, uh, he talked about those, that, that those who came and taught them were merely servants of God. They weren't to be raised up one over another. Uh, Paul was no different than than Apollos and no different than Cephas. They were all there for the purpose of teaching them the gospel of Christ. And that is is who they believed. That was their foundation. Chapter 4 we looked at the proper view of of preachers and teachers and he went in, into a little more uh detail around that. Today we'll be in chapter 5 and we're going to look at the idea uh of of what they should do with a brother who is in sin who who is among them. And so so uh he addresses that another issue that he saw that was reported to him in chapter 6, uh Christians are taking one another to court and uh and, and he's dealing with some some more uh, uh, uh dealing with sexual immorality there and, and some more issues there that he he's uh, found out about then he switches gears uh, begins answering those questions in chapter 7 and in chapter 7 he's really talking about the concept of marriage they had some questions around that um, especially in how it related to the present distress that they were in at that time so uh, that that's chapter 7 Chapters eight through ten, he he uh, addresses questions around um, specifically eating things that meat that was sacrificed to idols, and how that applied to uh, the Christian liberties and the freedom that they had in Christ. And so he addressed those uh, those things. Chapter 11, Paul addresses questions around the subjection and, and authority um, and a proper view of, of the Lord's Supper, uh, addresses those things. Uh, chapters 12 through 14, Paul writes to them about uh, spiritual gifts, something that they boasted about and were very, very proud of, of having those spiritual gifts. So he he spent some time talking to them about, about that. And chapter 13, saying that love was more excellent than those spiritual gifts. And so we have the, the chapter on love there in chapter 13 and, and gave some guidance in chapter 14 on how to use them in their worship. And then chapter 15, Paul addressed some false beliefs around re- resurrection and, and, uh, and, and, and talked about uh, what that meant for them. And then he closed out the, the letter in chapter 16 talking about the uh, contribution, uh, collection of the saints, and then some concluding remarks. So that's uh, just want to keep, keep in context, all the things we're talking about and and keep in mind, this is a letter that that he wrote to them um, from the perspective of of a, you know, a father figure to, to his children. And he is, he is guiding them. He's seeing things that are concerning him. He's heard about them. He's received questions and he is going through and answering and and helping them to, uh, to, to to, to, to live righteously, to, to follow, follow God and, and live the way uh, uh, they, they need to. So uh, we, we've looked at chapters 1 through 4 already. We focused on the, the problem of division. We talked about the idea of them misplacing their faith and putting one man before another. And I found it interesting through those four, four chapters just how many times Paul mentioned Jesus Christ. And especially in the first chapter alone, in about the first 13 verses, he mentions Jesus 12 times. And that just really stood out to me the more I keep reading this. And he is really working to make it clear to the Christians there in Corinth, um, there was one thing that united them. There was one main thing. There was one foundation of their faith, and that was Jesus Christ. That And he, he continues to remind them. They may have divisions over other things. They may have questions on how to handle certain situations. But Jesus Christ is, is, is the answer. If they go back to the foundation, to Jesus Christ, to what they originally believed, to what they were originally taught, that, that, that's their message. That was the message of, of the apostles, and that's what they need to follow. And so today... Uh, we'll see in chapters 5 that Paul makes a little transition away from the division and now to, to something else he, he's learned about that's going on there in Corinth. Um, and I can only imagine as I'm reading through, through this, maybe the discouragement Paul would have had as he's having to write this letter after hearing the reports from Chloe's household and, and potentially others. Um, you know, it's only been five or so years since he, uh, since he was there establishing the church and teaching and, 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 um, and, and working with them. And so soon they've divided, and so soon they've uh, lost their common focus, and now they're tolerating sin among their, among their number. There's a brother who is in sin, and they're tolerating that, and it's leaving a very dangerous door open to influence the rest of the group. And so he is concerned about that. He's not only concerned for the brother, but he's concerned about the group and, and, and the rest of the of the of the Christians there. And it, and it I can see how that would be discouraging from Paul's perspective, but when we read that today, it also can be encouraging for us because we can see, uh, you know, we see that Church of Corinth is kind of a mess. All the different things that are going on there, and all all the the in, in entanglement of, of sin and the world that they have there. But as we've looked, you know, Paul didn't uh, just throw up his hand and say, hey, you guys messed up. You're, there's no hope. You can't do anything about this. He, he doesn't leave it to themselves and say, all right, you guys have to figure it out. You've got to go figure out how to get back. He, he, he systematically guides them uh, through these issues that they 're dealing with, and uh, he reminds them again of the source of their foundation and, and I think there 's some encouragement here that we that we can see that even if we find ourselves in, in a in tough situations here or somewhere else that that there are ways to get through that and ways to get back to God, regardless of, of what what we find ourselves in so um, I, I take encouragement in in that so Moving to chapter 5, what, in a nutshell, what, what is chapter 5 about? If we were going to just, a quick, quick summary, real brief, what, what is chapter 5 about? Church discipline. Yeah, how, how to deal with, with sin in the church. Uh, and, and that's that's what he is he is dealing with. That there's a man living in open and unrepentant sin, and uh, he should be removed from their fellowship and association. That, that's what Paul is saying here in the chapter. Um, so I want to take a man. This is a short chapter, thirteen verses. So I'd like to take a man and just read that together, um, and, and 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 just take a look, at, and, and we'll kind of break it down in a second and, and look at what. Uh, what, what Paul is saying. But let, let's go ahead and read the first 13, or the 13 verses here. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. There are three main things we see in this chapter. If we were to break down, do an outline of this chapter. In verse one, we see the problem. Paul Paul lays out the problem that there's a fornicator among them. There, there is, there's a man in a, in a sinful relationship that is, that is currently living among them. Um, verse two is the problem. Or not just the problem, but the failure on the church's part, on the Corinthians' part and the fact that they haven't dealt with that fornicator properly. And we're going to see that their attitude isn't right towards this situation. And so that, that's, that's verse 2. And then the remainder of the chapter, Paul then gives it the instruction on what they need to do in this situation, um, and, the, and that they need to put the fornicator away from them. So, so diving into the text here, in verse one, it starts out. It is actually reported that there is sexual I- sexual immorality among you. In chapter one, Paul specified that the information he had gotten was from Chloe's household. He had received a report from Chloe's household at that point, whether that was a letter or a visit or what he found out from from their house that uh, this division was going on. But here in chapter five, he says it is, it is actually uh, it is actually reported. And in other places where that word is translated, it means holy or altogether. And he's saying, basically saying this is common knowledge. I've heard this from several places that this, this sin is going on. This is, this is common knowledge. Um, this has been reported potentially from more than one, uh, one source. He's saying many people are saying these things about the sin that, that you are tolerating and are, are allowing to be in your group in, in Corinth. This is generally known, and, and I believe it to be accurate. And that, that's basically what he is saying is starting out. And as is, is he's saying that, we're starting to see that the reputation of the church at Corinth is, is, is growing, not in a good way. They've got a reputation for de, uh, being contentious and division. They have a reputation for being jealous, he's mentioned already. And now they are tolerant of sin among its members. And I, I started to think about that. And is church is, is the church's reputation something that Christians need to be concerned about? Absolutely. 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 Why? Because the of the of Christ, and so therefore the church is not doing biblical stuff.
1: Um, if the church is going to condemn another church for. Committing a sin or another person for committing a sin, yet you're participating in the same sin. It's called being a hypocrite. You have no, no evidence. It kind of goes back to that "take the beam out of your own eye" thing. So you got to be very, very careful. And people say, "Oh well, I, I don't, I don't have to answer to anybody." Yes, you do.
0: Uh, absolutely thank you yeah so we, the church is a reflection of christ and and we do have uh that responsibility we the, to 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 make sure our reputation among the community is good standing, right? We, we need to have that, that, uh, that reputation. Paul is very concerned about his reputation as he goes from town to town and teaches. That's something he he, he talks over and over about is making sure his reputation is clear. And I think the church, is, uh, church has that reputation as well. And it's something that we should be uh, concerned about, especially when we are trying to uh, evangelize and bring people to, to Jesus. And we're trying to, to show that. John?
2: Thinking about 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, keep your behavior behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. So your reputation is important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, thank, thank you for that. And, and it is, it, it's important. And we see that the church at Corinth here is, is their reputation is, is poor at this point. And the things that they are being known for is, uh, is not good. So, that, so it's actually reported, and uh, the, the, this reputation is growing. Now, what has been reported? There, there's a sin. There's a sin going on, and it's this sin of sexual immorality, of fornication. Um, that they're tolerating. And specifically, we see that a man is in a relationship with his father's wife, and that's what's described here. Um, there's some, some speculate that this may be an ancestral type of relationship. Some say that this may be a second wife uh, of, of, the, of the father. Um, reading through this, I've, I think that point's kind of irrelevant. Um, because we see that this uh, regardless there 's this sinful relationship going on here, and whether whether or not the nature of that relationship that that 's not really the point that paul is, Paul is addressing um, but but regardless, he is living in, in this relationship with his father 's wife, and nothing is mentioned here about him being repentant, and it is a continuing relationship and so we see that being the case here um, and this is this is a relationship that it's it's so bad. It's not even tolerated among the pagans, and it, it's something that even the Gentiles look look down on and, and, and don't don't tolerate. Um, that's a really condemning statement, right? You're, you're Christians. You're, you're supposed to be spiritual and spiritually minded. And even the pagans wouldn't tolerate this relationship among them. But you're allowing this to continue to go on in your number. Um, now. Thinking about Corinth, would these types of relationships probably be going on in Corinth at times? I would say that this relationship, it probably existed in Corinth and other areas, but that doesn't mean that they would tolerate it. They still look down on it. I mean, we know in Corinth that that the the uh, you know the worship around the the, the pagan gods often involves sexual acts like this, and and you know. It, it wouldn't seem far-fetched to me that, that this would be a situation that, that would be found elsewhere in Corinth. But what he's saying is, it, it, he didn't say it didn't exist among the pagans, but it wasn't tolerated. They, they would have put a stop to it if they had seen it among their number. And he's saying, you at least should, should, should be doing that. The pagans can see that. Um, and, and what's interesting to me about this verse is that Paul isn't, isn't really addressing the wrongness of the sin. He says it's bad. He says that even the pagans wouldn't tolerate it, but that's not the focus of the chapter. The focus of the chapter is not the the, the man's sin here and, and that he's doing it. We know that's wrong. That, that's a given. But what he does, his biggest concern here is in the Corinthians' attitude towards the sin and what they... Their, their response or lack of response—that—that's his biggest biggest focus. He, uh, there's sexual immorality among you, of a kind that does not tolerate even on the pagans. You're allowing this to still be in your number, and and other even even people outside would not allow this. In Revelation chapter two verse twenty, we see a comparable situation: uh, the church in Thyatira in the letter to to, to them. Uh, and Jesus had one thing against them. They, this church had a lot of great things going on. They, uh, they had great, uh, their love, their faith, their servants, patient endurance. All these things were listed. They, they, they had a lot of great things. But Jesus said, I've got one thing against them, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to print, repent of her sexual immorality. A similar situation to what we see here in Corinth, that they were tolerating a woman in sin. And so we, we see that comparable uh, uh, situation. And that's really what he, what Paul is, is, is concerned about, is this toleration of it and the fact that they, their attitude towards it. Um, any... Any thoughts before we move on to the second portion of this chapter? Okay.
1: Uh, we, can, we can tolerate uh, sin kind of similar. Um, it's kind of like um, uh, adultery is adultery or, or sexual immorality is sexual immorality. And sometimes we have a tendency, especially I've seen it when I was growing up, of um if a woman gets pregnant we blame the woman but we forget there's a man that got her pregnant mm-hmm. so um you know it's stuff like that um you got to be careful about stuff like that and you know, because you can fall into this category.
0: Sure, it, it, it can it can be easy to fall into this and, and to to become tolerant of of situations like this in in our number. And you know, anytime people are involved, anytime feelings or emotions are involved, and things get entangled, it can be difficult to separate out the you know the sin from from that. But I think what we're going to see as we go through here is that the the in, when Paul gets to the instruction. It's done out of love. And and, 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 and tolerating is actually an unloving response to to the situation for all parties involved. And so we'll we'll see that as we continue to go. Um, All right. So now we get to the failure of the Corinthians. We've established the problem. There's sin among them, and they're tolerating it. Um, But now we see that there are some attitudes. The, that are going on there uh, towards this sin, and there's a lack of dealing with it properly um, in verse 2. And so what was, what was their attitude towards the man and his sin? Ignoring him. Ignoring him. Yeah, they were kind of just, just ignoring it, letting it go, not really thinking about any, anything else. Yeah, yeah, they were puffed up. They, they were arrogant. They were boasting, it said. Um, yeah, we see the, this, this prideful air uh, uh, about them, um, this arrogance and you know thinking about that there, there could be a couple of scenarios we don't know exactly exactly what they were prideful in there it could be that they were you know this man might have been prominent maybe he had some money was important in the community and they were like look we can we can withstand a little sin because we've got him among our number that's okay and and they could they could be prideful about that um it could be that they were arrogant and boastful over their ability to be tolerant. That's something we see a lot today. Like, look, we are so tolerant. Look at all the people we tolerate. We, we, can, we can tolerate all sorts of sin. And so there could be some, some pride or some, some arrogance in, in that. Um, it also could be that, that Paul is saying that they were filled with pride and arrogant and puffed up, even in spite of the condition they were in. And and almost, uh, you know, they're being so focused on carnal things. I mean, what has Paul mentioned that they were prideful in already in, in this letter? They, they, they were arrogant and boastful over who taught them and who baptized them. And they were causing divisions over that. That was a status symbol. We see that they were prideful over spiritual or We will see that they were prideful over spiritual gifts and the things that they had, and maybe they were so focused on these these things from a worldly perspective, from a, you know, from a carnal perspective, that they weren't. They were almost blind to to the sin, and we're, were just. Ign- I think it was mentioned, ignoring it, but just letting it go because they thought we've got spiritual gifts. We can—that's that, not a big deal. We, we've got spiritual gifts. We've got Paul baptized us. We 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 can withstand that a little bit. Bruce,
3: we're not told whether they had elders or not, but as you read through Corinthians, there's a definite lack of leadership uh who should have squashed this as shepherds. Uh but but I always think when I see these things happening here, uh Jesus comment when he when he looked out on the the crowds and said they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that's the situation here that allows these things to creep into the church but not only creep in, but to to become overwhelming. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know I think it's interesting the the word creep because it can creep. It, it it you know I don't know that they just all of a sudden welcomed this sinful guy in and said all right hey let's go. But I think you know you've got some steps there where elder an eldership would have looked at it and said okay this may may be a uh, you know this may be a red flag, but then you know it can kind of continue to to creep in. Um, so, you know, what I see here is, you know, it, this Corinthian church, they were proud, they were arrogant, they had a lot of great things going for them, right? They had big name preachers come in and teach them and baptize them and, and, and they gave them spiritual gifts, they had a lot of uh, great things uh, going for them there, um, they were able to, had some status with those types of things, um, perhaps they felt they didn't need to address the sin, Perhaps they felt they were above it in some way. Um, you know, maybe they were, reg- whatever it was, they were apathetic to it. They weren't in, in, in any rush to to take action on it, to, didn't, didn't have any uh, course of action there. Um, is this something that can be an issue for us today? Absolutely. Yeah, this is, it, 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 it can definitely be an issue for us. Um the idea of being a church that is, is puffed up and arrogant ourselves and, and comfortable with where we're at and not concerned about sin among us, that, that can be a temptation and, and an issue that, that uh, churches can, um, can fall into, um, you know, looking at things like, uh, you know, okay, you know, a church that has a lot of great things going on. We've got great preaching. We have, we're in a growing area and have, our numbers are growing and lots of kids, lots of families, uh, you know, all all of these different things that, that a church could take pride in from a worldly perspective that is great. Those are all great things. But if there's sin in the midst, if there is sin that is not being addressed and that's being ignored, then it's something, uh, it, it, it's a major, major problem. And it, it uh, is something that Paul would, would write a letter about uh, to, to address that. Um, so what should have been their attitude? Just what their attitude was and what they haven't done, they haven't removed the sin. But what should have their attitude? What should have been their attitude?
1: Uh, that if there was elders, they, they should have took him aside and said that. And if he refused to repent, he should have been withdrew, withdrew from immediately.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely. They, they they should have taken action, right? They, they should have jumped in and, and, and taken action to remove that. Yes, sir.
3: For us today, we go back to Matthew's teaching on this. And in chapter 15, he says, if a brother sins, go and reprove him in private. And then if he don't listen to you, then you take witnesses, and then you tell it to the church. And if he doesn't listen to the church, then you withdraw from it. That's what our cure is for today. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of churches today like the Joel Osteens. They don't talk about anything that's uh, negative. It's all positive. And we have churches right here in Murfreesboro that uh, will open their arms to homosexuals and, you know, just all kinds of different people, and they will include them in. And they recruit them, so I mean that's just puffed up in arrogance right there
0: yeah you' you're absolutely right no, number one, so we do have have methods that that we we have been instructed from from jesus and other uh, and Paul and others uh, of how we are to to uh, uh accomplish this removing of the sin, and uh you're right, this is an unpleasant topic that not a lot of churches do talk about phil
3: I think one of the things that that's has stood out to me in this. Paul has um, really tried to hone in on the fact that these brethren were thinking from human reasoning constantly, and when you think about sin, and it gets back to what I think what Brother Roger just brought out is that when you think from from a human standpoint, human reasoning, and you reason this, it's like well, you know, there's there these people, there's problems, but you know, we're not going to we're not going to ruffle any feathers. We're not going to, you know, rock the boat. Um, you know, um, and, and I think then on top of that, the attitude that they showed, uh, in, in just their stance, uh, in this position, you know, from what I see here and what I read Paul's, uh, his language is basically to say, you need to eradicate this. It's, it's not a, it's not like take your time and it's like you need to deal with this and deal with it swiftly. It needs mm-hmm. to be dealt with and harshly. Get you know. Uh, and when, then when he brings up the leaven and all those things, how fast does that happen? When you think about putting that in dough, mm-hmm. it's quick. It's ha- and it's spreading rapidly.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank you, Nick?
3: I think in order for them to not show tolerance, they would have had to have been appalled by sin. You mentioned tolerance and how that plays in. And I think that's, you know, we're seeing that today in in our culture. You mentioned that this is something culturally that probably would have been going on. And so they probably, you know, were kind of used to it, and they got to where they weren't really noticing it and weren't really appalled by it. And I think today with the homosexuality and everything that's going on in our country, it's easy for us to just get used to the way things are and not to be appalled. So in order for them to have felt something toward this, they would have had to have been shocked or appalled by sin and not just going, well, this is what's going on everywhere here. And so, you know, it's not really a big deal. Not that you would do that necessarily, like you would say that, but just in your
0: subconscious that you would think. Sure. No, absolutely.
4: I think just sort of go off what um, she just said, you know, that what you have up there, you know, what should they have done, before any of the action takes place, they have to have that they have to. It has to cut them to the core, you know, that sense of mourning. Mm-hmm. They have to, you know, in the sense of being repulsed by it, it has to affect them emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Hey, this is being done to the sense where they, they're really sorrowful over the fact of it for that individual and that it's taking place within the church if we don't have that emotional spiritual tie to that then what actions we take are vague Mm -hmm. you know they're 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 empty because we don't have any substance behind it and so we have to have that substance behind it in order to take that action and then make sure we're taking the action that god says to do because in in the scripture he says remove the man from among them What we see a lot in congregations is they might say something about it softly, but if nothing happens and they themselves remove themselves from the situation, they'll go jump over to another congregation rather than banding together as God instructs us to do and remove that person from our presence rather than removing ourselves.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and that emotional, that, that, that's the thing that, that, that has stood out to me the most reading through this, is that, that this concept of mourn, and we're going to talk about it in just a second, but the the idea that there has to be a, a gut-wrenching emotion tied to this, or it's easy to separate ourselves from it. It's easy to separate our, ourselves from the sin itself and, and not let, us, let, let it affect us, but that's a really important point. Carrie.
2: Well, I was just going to make a comment, uh, going back to what Roger said, and even connected to what Nate said. Uh, so many churches have this concept of inclusivity, and they they position that in a, uh, in a an attitude or an example of an attitude of love. We love the person, so we're going to include them. You know that mm-hmm. inclusive nature, but really, true love would. Expose the sin, and when you think about one Peter four eight, um, and and also James five two, you know it, you know one Peter four eight. Love covers a multitude of sins. Well, when you connect that to James five two, the covering of the multitude of sins is really reproving the 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 Christian to return back to God. So we have to keep focused that the true loving response. Is to address the issue and,
0: and and deal with it, and not just welcome them with open arms. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Ignoring it and affirming it and, and all of that—that that, that isn't the true love. But it, it's addressing it, and and from that perspective, yes. Uh, Alan.
5: Yeah, we we started the class talking about church discipline. This is what we often use to, to kind of talk about this chapter, and in that, I think we mean. Discipline like a parent might discipline a child. And and the scripture is very full of instances, especially from Paul saying, do this, rebuke them so that they'll come back. They'll come to their senses or they'll come back to soundness. And there's a little bit of that here. But on balance, Paul seems to be talking a lot more about the benefits for the group is why they should do this. This chapter almost Mm -hmm. seems a little bit more focused on the church being disciplined in the way an athlete would be disciplined with their nutrition and their training and that they cannot let these things come in because he's gonna, he's gonna talk about why, because this has potential to change you. Yes. This has potential to harm your interaction, your access to the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. Maybe trying to, to tap into what Sarah said to get them to be terrified of this or to be appalled by this, to, to think about how harmful this could be for them. Um, and using that Passover terminology, that's a very exclusive moment. You know, and the people, certain people could do it; they had to do it a very exclusive way. And the Lord's church and His wisdom is very interesting. It is an open invitation to the whole world to be very exclusive. Everyone is allowed to come in, but to still do things exclusively in a certain way. And He's really encouraging them to not be changed by this, but to have the discipline. To, to stay on track
0: here yeah uh, absolutely thank you good comment uh, yeah. there are many parallels to um, to the, the reasoning behind uh, reaching out to someone
4: to say hey you're, you're doing wrong uh, but uh, one of them is Jude uh, verse 22
0: and 23 and on some have compassion making a distinction but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment defiled by the flesh yeah, uh, thank you. Um, need, to, need to move on a little bit here and get past verse 2. All right, one more. <laughs> That's
1: okay. No. I was kind of bouncing up what the gentleman earlier said. Sorry, I'm not used to the microphone deal. Uh, our ultimate goal in addressing someone that has done a sin is to bring them back to Christ, not necessarily shame them um, or try to clear the church's name. But it's to, and that's where, to me, the word mourn comes in. Mm -hmm. We should mourn because that person's soul is lost at that point. So our goal is to mourn that that has happened and bring them back.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about is, is the mourning over the sin. And, you know, a lot of times we, we see the sin. It's easy to separate ourselves from that. But not only should this individual be mourning over his own sin, but the congregation should be mourning over his sin as well and, and wanting to, uh, and being driven, having that emotion, that attitude driving him to, uh, to take action. So let's talk about the action a little bit with the time we've got left here. Um, What needed to be done? What was the instruction? Um, What are the phrases that Paul uses here in this chapter to indicate what the Corinthians should have done? He, He repeats it several different times in a few different ways, right? Number one, he tells them they need to mourn. But he says, let him who has done this be removed from among you in verse two. Verse five, deliver this man to Satan. Verse nine, uh, and, and verse 11, not to associate with, not even eat with, with one. So we see the, the, these ideas and these, these, uh, these concepts he, he is making. Um, in verse three, he, he we see Paul's making the point that there's really no question what should be done. He can, he can tell what should be done from, uh, you know, from, uh, even afar that, that he's, he knows what, what was reported and what needs to be done. Uh who must be involved. In verse 4, we see the whole assemb- when, when they are assembled, the the whole church is involved in this. This isn't one, this isn't something that just the elders do. This isn't something that just a small group of people do, just the family does. This is something the whole church is involved in, and the comment was made earlier that it, it it's not effective when some people are associating with the brother and other people are not. Because then, again, that's causing division. That's saying, well, what's wrong with those people? Why aren't they associating with me and you are? It's effective when the whole church together is acknowledging and making the statement that you are not part of the kingdom in, any longer that in your, in your state and you need to make changes and come back. And that, that's what we see uh, taking place here, that who it needs to be involved. Why is it important for the whole church to be involved? So they know the seriousness, yes. And also so that, uh, you know, Paul teaches in other places so that uh, the, the Christians can make an effort to restore. You know, We're, we have that responsibility. So the whole, the whole church needs to be involved in that, and, and, and uh, in that effort. Um, why? Why? Why do we do this? We've talked a little bit about that. Several of the comments have been around this. What is the purpose of doing this? It's not to shame. It's not to uh, to, to put, put uh, you know put really in a negative context. But the purpose is stated that it's to save his spirit. We're to uh, in verse five deliver this man to Satan for destruction of flesh, so that his spirit might be saved. Um, the destruction of flesh f- phrase has been interesting to me in, a, in looking into it and just thinking through it. The goal is for his fleshly desires, the flesh and carnal minded that Paul has been talking about this whole time, this worldly thinking, that needs to die. And we have other references where the old self needs to die, the, uh, the, the, the flesh is to die. Um, that, that's the goal is this fleshly carnal mindset needs to die, this sin, this temptation needs to die. And they need to realize that they need Christ and that they need to come back to him and, and repent in, in that situation. Um, not only is it for his spirit to be saved, but for the purity of the church to be maintained. And we see that in the example of the leaven and, uh, how quickly that can, uh, th- that can, uh, permeate throughout the group there to cleanse out that old leaven. And there to to focus on on, on that purity um, there, and then uh, it's mentioned that they're not to associate with. Um, was our comment over here, so, Phil?
6: Actually, you just said exactly kind of what I was going to say, and I'll just go on to say that the, remembering the the, uh, the the church is Christ's body, and it needs to be made, kept pure for Him and uh when sin comes in it needs to be uh eradicated quickly which has been talked a lot about you know uh um it's said that that uh, acceptance is the first step towards participation and yeah. uh that that yeast that permeates through the through the uh bread is the same yeast that permeates through you know, sin when it comes into the church and then, uh it, 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 just, it will just happen. It will continue to get worse if, if it's not eradicated immediately for, for all those reasons. But, but, uh, the church is Christ's body and, and it needs mm-hmm. to be made kept pure.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. They're, they're tolerating that man's sin over here. Well, maybe I can get away with something over here. Oh, well, that, that, that that's not being addressed. So maybe I can, I can do this over here and that starts to permeate and, and continue to grow. Um, I, I do want to make the, uh, the connection down at the end of uh, verse, is it verse 11, where he's saying not even to eat with such a one. Um, a lot of people uh, will, will come to this verse and say, well, that's what we're not supposed to do. We just can't eat with that person. I can go shopping, we can go play golf, and we can get together for holidays, but dinner time, no, can't, can't do that. That can't, can't do that. But what, what I think Paul is saying here is this is an example of, of what you can't do. And it's an intimate example. Eating with someone is an intimate showing approval. Generally, when we eat with somebody, that is a more intimate uh, thing. But that's not an exclusive, this is, this is the thing you're not supposed to do with this person. But we see you're not to associate, you're not to mingle, you're not to socialize in, in these other settings there as well. Thank you so much for the comments. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate uh, the time.